Let's talk about stories. We all love stories. Stories make us laugh, they make us cry, they can challenge and inspire us. But most of all, stories are one of the best ways to learn. The stories we will share are true stories of God's rescue and redemption, shared by the people who have lived them. People just like you and me, grateful and undeserving characters in God's big story. Welcome to Life Stories. Welcome back to Life Stories. I'm really excited. We have somebody in the studio today who you may remember from a previous episode. Pastor Mark Skydema is here. He was on an episode earlier with Jeff and I talking about parenting, but today he's agreed to come and share his life story with us. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. It is good to be here. So today I have the opportunity to share my life story. Uh, I would actually say it's not my life story, but it's God's life story in me. I've learned over the years that uh, that I'm only here because of God's goodness and grace. And so I want to share just the, the things that God has done in my life. I was born into a Christian home to Christian parents who were born into Christian homes to Christian parents. I would say looking back, it was more of a, a heritage than it was maybe a a um, uh, kind of a spiritual foundation. Uh, I grew up in a denomination that was pretty ritualistic. And um, so a lot of the things that I grew up doing, my parents had also grown up doing and their parents had grown up doing. And so it was kind of handed on down that this is what you did. But I don't have any recollection of actually hearing the gospel in our home at any point growing up. So we talked a lot about what it was to, to be a good Christian, or we talked, you know, we did family devotions, but there wasn't a lot of conversations about sin or our need for Jesus or what it looked like to really walk with him or uh, to abide in him. And so I grew up thinking a big part of the Christian life was living moral being a good person and having kind of a good exterior of what people saw. But I would say that inside, I grew up really, I was a, a spiritual wasteland. Uh, so I knew a lot of uh, biblical answers. I knew a lot of uh, in Sunday school or I went to Christian school my whole life all the way up to uh, to graduate school. And so I knew Bible trivia. I, I knew answers from the Bible, even, you know, funky questions, whatever, but it had not penetrated my heart. So I would say my head was filled with knowledge, but my heart was, was void. When I was four years old, I was exposed to pornography for the first time. Uh, I had visited vivid recollections of that. And I was actually in an environment where my mother was there uh, and I saw a uh, pornographic magazine in a trash can. And I remember reaching for it and my mother um, reacting pretty directly. And I knew in that moment, whoa, whatever that is, my mom doesn't like it. And maybe other people don't either, but man, there's something about that that was intriguing and alluring. I, again, grew up going to church and Christian school. So I was, you know, at, at church when the doors were open, but there was um, something in my heart that was still kind of drawing me or at work in me. And I would say that was sin at work in my members. Uh, when I was 10, then I uh, was over at a friend's house and he had pornographic pictures and we viewed those and he sent me home with my own. And that really started a journey uh, for the next 13 and a half years where I lived a very duplicitous life. 
So on the outside, I looked like I had it together. I knew Bible answers. I could tell you stories. I looked like I was a good Christian kid, but inside I was pursuing pornography and sexual immorality. And I would say that I became addicted to it to the point that it owned me and it really directed my thinking it directed my actions and pursuits and desires. And in some instances, it directed how I spent my time and money, certainly money there. And so I tried uh, really hard to stop uh, viewing it on my own. I tried to, um, you know, kind of show God that I was worthy of him loving me and, uh, you know, going to church or even trying to lead Bible studies, just doing a variety of different spiritual things, if you will. But pornography had a deep hold in my, in my heart and life, but it was something that no one else knew about. So I kept it very secret. People ever asked me about it. It was always a past thing. Oh, I used to struggle with that, but it's not a current thing. And uh, no one really ever knew uh, the real story or the real me. And a big part of that was I was very afraid of of what people would think. I wanted people to like me. And so if they knew that I was addicted to pornography and that this is where I really spent my life, how would they respond to that? I went off to college and it became a bigger issue in my life. I was in some relationships and those didn't go well. And so I would run back to pornography and it really became a, a cyclical thing where I would, I would repent, or at least I thought I was repenting and try to get right with God. I'd think I was walking rightly with God. I'd get into a relationship. That relationship wouldn't go well. It would end and I'd get back in pornography. And sometimes that cycle would go and then I'd get into pornography for a while and I'd realize this is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this and I would repent or get out of it. Sometimes that cycle would take six weeks. Sometimes it would take six months, um, but inevitably it just, it would go deeper and deeper and deeper. And so the thing about sexual sin is I think many, uh, many types of sin is that it escalates and what once satisfied doesn't satisfy. So you take it to the next level. I went off to graduate school and it was in graduate school where I really, uh, I would say hit rock bottom. And I came to a point where I realized I desperately wanted to be in a healthy relationship and I desperately wanted to have a family at some point. And I realized that I was in deep and that my life was a spiritual, my heart was a spiritual wasteland, but my life was beginning to reflect that. And I came to a point where I realized there was nothing that I could do. I had tried so hard. I'd made all kinds of promises, kind of sworn up and down, I'll never do this again. And I would fall back into it deeper than I had before. And I came to a point in March of 1997 where I, I read John 10, 10, which says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And I'd probably read that verse a thousand times before, but for the very first time, my eyes were opened and I remember thinking and, and just pleading with the Lord, I want to live. I want to live like I'm dying and I don't, I don't want to die. And there was a, a significant spiritual component to that, but there was also, it was starting to impact me physically. And people were noticing that and asking questions like, what's going on? And I remember sitting in my apartment apartment uh, at Michigan State University. I was in graduate school coming to a point where I just literally cried out and said, Jesus, I need you. And it wasn't a magic prayer. There wasn't anything uh, spectacular about those words, but it just demonstrated the true condition of my heart. I recognized if Jesus didn't radically change me, there was nothing that I could do or anyone else could do. And in that moment, I would say everything changed. God began to give me new desires and new passions. My life took a different direction. People around me began to notice, uh, whereas once I was not able to say no to sin or to sexual temptation, I was now able to flee and to say no. I was finding freedom 
freedom and there was joy in life in ways that I had never experienced. So uh, whereas I grew up knowing and understanding, at least in an intellectual way, the Bible and who God was, it wasn't until uh, that encounter where Jesus transformed my life. And I would say that, you know, 25 years later, I wouldn't be where I am today had God not rescued me that that night uh, and set me on a different path. So that's the story of what God has done. And uh, it has been a tremendous journey since then. It doesn't mean that I've arrived or my life is perfect, but I would say in the last 25 years, God has set me free from the bonds of sexual sin and um, has given me both a hope, but also a, um, a contentment in him uh, in ways that I'd never experienced previously. Mark, that's such a powerful story. One of the things that we say about life stories is that they're stories of God's rescue and redemption of Absolutely. someone. And I think your story is a, a really perfect and, and well-spoken example of that. Mark, if somebody's driving around in their car right now right. or walking around listening to this podcast and maybe they're struggling with addictions, maybe specifically in the world of sexual sin, what's maybe one thing you would encourage them to do right now? Yeah. So my biggest fear when I was deep in sexual sin was that I wanted to be known. I wanted to to be loved for who I was, but I was scared to death that if I was honest and real with somebody, that they would literally think, wow, you're such a pervert. Like, I don't want anything to do with you, which was already how I felt about myself. So I think um, what I would encourage a brother or sister, uh, you know, who, who might be hearing this is to take a step towards somebody and to bring it into the light. Um, so I found that when I brought sin into the light and I began to confess it and I began to, to allow other people into my life in that regard, that people moved towards me and God used those people in significant ways. And then when I was uh, tempted, or when um, you know the enemy pressed in, I had people in my life that I could confess, that I could pray with, people who could help me. And so I think that's a big part of it is that when we're isolated, the enemy has a field day. But when we bring it into the light and there's people in our lives. So that would be the first step that I would encourage someone to take. That's super helpful. Secrets make you sick. So I think that's... Really, really good advice. Mark, thanks for sharing your story with us for our regular listeners. Uh, stay tuned. we got a lot more Life Stories here in Season 3, and we will see you next time. Life Stories is presented by the Soul Care Matters Podcast, hosted by Ryan Berg. Connect with us at CPC Soul Care Matters on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more Life Stories.